to be fair, the script, like, the script's, I'm sure the script probably read something like, they train. Yeah. And it was just like, and I think Michael Bay's like, all right. Everybody goof, do your thing. Goof off for all the cameras roll and, and we'll put it together some sometime later. What is art but an extension of our human experience? And if that human experience was positive, then let's remember that that was a positive one. And sure. not discount that because we uh, have educated ourselves away from a positive experience. Hey guys, it's John, and welcome back to Blood, Sweat, and Popcorn. Blockbuster movies wear many faces. Some are crowd-pleasing, and some are grossly insufferable. And some lie in the middle. Armageddon is such a film, straddling that middle lane between revered and ridiculous. It's loud, explosive, and silly. It has a fun cast and obnoxious plot. My friend Oliver drops by and we chat about this train wreck of a film and why we cannot look away from it. Remember to follow us at BSP Film Podcast and leave us a rating. This will help Blood, Sweat, and Popcorn reach so many new people. So thanks for dropping by, folks. This is your spoiler warning. Grab your popcorn and your spacesuit, and let's get through Armageddon. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious, and don't call me Shirley. They caught a shark, not the shark. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Wake up. We're tonight's entertainment. This is some serious gourmet. Shoot! I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown. I lose you. You gotta do something or just stand there and bleed. How's that for a slice of fried gold? Here's Johnny! go three two one okay folks john's back blood sweat and popcorn and uh oliver yep that's me okay oliver had had conned me into watching armageddon once again that's a those are strong words conned you got conned (laughs) i got (laughs) well the, the whole deal was hey you come on the show we'll talk about a movie and you picked you picked Armageddon. I picked Armageddon. Yes, you, you didn't have to pick like, Armageddon. I well, I did, but <laughs> you, I really you had did. to. <laughs> so this movie, uh, where do I begin? I should begin with Charlton Heston. What Charlton Heston? Charlton Heston opens this movie for us with yeah, he that does. that really cheesy voiceover. Like yeah. okay, like to, to be fair, it was the '90s and everybody was doing that. It was so bad. Everybody was doing it though. So, so like, you got to put things in the context of, like, what era the movie came out. This was still the era where trailers had voiceover guy. One man. Yeah. One way. But you know what? Independence Day and Deep Impact, they didn't have to have this stuff in the beginning of their films. No, no, they didn't. Yeah. But, our... but also, don't forget that, like, Jerry Bruckheimer, J.J. Abrams, and Michael Bay were all part oh. of the production there... of, of, of Armageddon. There was, there was no less than eight people credited with writing this film. Yeah, so it, so they these are wow. big names. <laughs> yeah, it, in hindsight, but I wasn't really following J.J. Abrams '98. Yeah, uh, who 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 knew like Lost and the Star Trek uh, Resurrection would be at his hands? Um, so he was kind of just a name on the screen at that in '98, I would say. But I think the big, thing, <laughs> I was like, I wrote down my notes. It's like this. It felt like a TLC Animal Planet Nature Discovery Channel <laughs> kind of like a. 
am I watching a documentary and then had like the really nice, I, I, they're cheesy now. I, I, again, I'll put in the frame of reference of the late 90s with like the After Effects Armageddon peeling, the title peeling out of the title Oh, yeah, card. with the explosion? It was just... Yeah, it, was, it was a bit much. It was yeah. very, uh, very Michael Bay, which is... This whole movie is so Michael Bay. It sure is. It's just... <laughs> I want to read a quote to you later from Ebert's review because it's just... It, it, it's, he's a great reviewer of films, uh, rest in peace, but he had a very interesting uh, set of sentences to sum up this movie. But we're not there yet. Um, okay, so we have this 90s uh, uh, apocalypse Armageddon right. movie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it kind of came, like, in the late 90s. And I'm trying to, like, think about what where was the world at? Where was America at in the late 90s? Because we, it, it kind of coupled with Deep Impact, which was released the same year. Yep. And... You know, what was really out around yeah. Independence Day was two years and prior. So, so uh, we do have to consider that the reason that Morgan Freeman didn't do that voiceover was because he was in Deep Impact. Yeah. <laughs> you can't double bill Morgan Freeman for the same role in the same calendar year, I feel. Yeah. It's just, you can't do that. Yeah. Um, I think he would still have done it, but uh, but you know what? Oops. But, um, okay, so something I, I picked up right away um, in the, in the uh, opening of this movie was, you know, they had like the NASA, yeah, the astronauts and they're working on some stuff in space and they're doing the astronaut thing. And we, we keep cutting back to earth, I guess it's in Dallas or it's in Florida. I'm not sure where it was at, but they actually have a space command. That's like, it says Pentagon space commands. Like, did they have a space force already? I, I, so I think, I think it was like this idea of that there was some form of government inter, interagency that worked between the air force and NASA, right? Which I assume exists. I don't know if th- that actually exists. I think they finally just officially labeled it as, as um, Space Force. As Space Force, right? And yeah. now it's a, a running gag. Yeah, but, but but it probably did exist. Like I can't imagine it didn't exist. So that's. I mean, you know, we're in 2020, and looking back, haha, hindsight, at 1998, you know what, you know, thinking about like Independence Day and Deep Impact, like were were there big considerations that the government had? I'm not trying to make this a conspiracy theory tinfoil yeah. episode, but like, like how invested was the government in in the Depart- Department of Defense in to watching the skies, like you see here? I, it's just a hypothetical question I was asking myself oh. under under rewatch, and um, I think I remember like when I was oh gosh 96 97 I was I was in middle school and there was actually a uh, an asteroid that was actually on track to hit Earth for a short time, and oh then, my gosh. And then uh, for like a week, it scared everybody. Yeah, yeah, and then, yeah. Then, it, oh. and then it changed course, and all's well. So, yeah, you know the, the, that was the time. I, I do remember a lot of discussions in that frame of years where things, people would talk about Halley's comet and right. all, all the other stuff that was going on in the space. Yeah, so yeah, maybe maybe you're onto something here. Maybe Independence Day was the first, not only the first blockbuster. But the first... Uh, I wouldn't say it's the first block. Well, it was the first summer blockbuster to take advantage of the kind of the summer timing. Uh, it, it, the industry changed because of Independence Day, which came two years before Armageddon. So I would argue like two decades before Jaws was the blockbuster that broke the Okay, yeah, that's, that's, a, good point. that's a good point. But I think, I, I think in, in this surge of, surge of, of, of space in connection, right. space... You know, aliens, or be it asteroids, or be it whatever. Yeah, and Penn State said this also is a thing. And, and you know, you go back to like the fifties and sixties when these disaster movies were prominent because they were like, 
answering the people's fears about the Cold War and their their relevance there. And now, and that's my I guess that was my question because this is before nine eleven, mm-hmm. and it was but it was after the Gulf War, after the Cold War, and like what are we what were we afraid of? But yeah, I don't know. I don't think Armageddon had the answer. <laughs> no, uh, it wasn't trying to answer it. Uh, Fair but enough. It, it was def- so okay. So I did want to mention that I don't know if you caught it. Uh, uh, so I rewatched the movie again today, and um, I don't know if it was Abrams or Michael Bay or whoever was responsible for it. But in the first ten minutes of the movie, they pay an homage to disaster films by playing uh, by having a guy selling Godzilla memorabilia. Yes. Uh, in New York City, That's, which, that was a good little little tie-in because you had Eddie Griffin on the bike with his dog. Yes, and brilliant. Dog, yeah, and then even Mark Curry makes a little cameo appearance as the cab driver because the couple wants to go shopping. And anyway, yeah. And uh, I, I again, this this movie is so loud, and, and things kind of just <laughs> happen here. And like, but like, so that, that uh, after NASA shuttle gets blown away. Oh, I'm sorry, guys. Spoilers. Oh my gosh! It's Armageddon. If you haven't seen it yet. You're you're it's, you're, you're twenty two years too late. I mean, honestly, um, but <laughs> what was I saying? Oh yeah, so the 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 small satellite asteroids start meteorites start coming in and they're taking out Manhattan. Very pre nine eleven, which you look back now, it's kind of cringy. Oh yeah. And um, and then it so Manhattan gets pretty much decimated, and that's the last we talk about it. We never go back to Manhattan again. Sure. We never go back and and then we when we finally get to Bruce Willis and, and company out in their oil rig, there's no like news broadcast of like oh death in Manhattan and right. impending doom, doomsday, apocalypse, and they're just a bunch of roughnecks, you know, hitting golf balls at Greenpeace, right? Making you know. <laughs> so so we have to ask ourselves like, what's the story about though, right? Like, did, did, um, was it was it telling us a disaster movie story? Or was it telling us something different, right? So, uh, so I love Armageddon for the reason, and I, I will go out and say that I, Oliver David, love Armageddon as a movie. Okay. Um, and you're welcome and, to your opinion. Yeah, <laughs> I am welcome to the wrong opinion that that, that is, uh, because I think it is such a perfect encapsulation of what a good bad movie looks like. And what's so? What's the value of a good bad movie? Like, we, I think every every even your average film viewer, even if they like crap like Armageddon and the eighteenth Fast and the Furious movie or whatever that's coming out, they know it's not a good movie. But you know what? They leave and they're entertained, right? And, they, and to them, they get their money's worth. So I mean, so I I do put a value on good bad movies. But like, what what's your argument? I guess. Why is, why is Armageddon, like, I guess, like the, the uh, poster child? Yeah, so, uh, so, so a, few, a few years ago, me and a friend were working through, like, how do, how, how do we evaluate movies? Uh, my friend Alan Miscon, um, he and I worked on a system called uh, you know, Real, Real Movie Grading System. Um, and what we tried to do is try to break down uh, movies into uh, a quantifiable... Uh, set of categories. Uh, we broke it into screenplay, which had subcategories of script as well as uh, story and plot. Um, you had your pace and your timing. You had your casting. You had your cinematography. You had your design, your audio, and then how? Uh, and then you had how does the movie stack up within its own genre? Um, the, those categories are things that are valid when we're evaluating movies because movies are not just 
pure storytelling in the sense of like one story goes from one person to another. If this was the tribal version of us talking about Armageddon and you and I were around a campfire and right. I was telling you the story of these oil drill drillers who saved the earth uh, by going into space and destroying a meteor, um, it would be incumbent on me to tell a perfect story, uh, plot, right? Sure. But there's more to it than that in when we're talking about movies. Movies have more yes. things to them than just was the plot good, yes or no. Absolutely. Um, and, and it's those other things that when you add them on to it, you, you, you look at Armageddon, you're like, okay, something really was, there was something interesting here. So you're actually tying back, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to like, uh, promote my, my own first episode I ever had on this show, which was titled Why Film and why, I, and the whole episode was about why I chose to talk about film. And the short version of this conversation, of this explanation, is those are reasons you just said. Because like, it was about what art was and why I value, valued art and like how there's, in, in the scheme of the episode, I talked about there's music, there's dance, there's choreography, there's lighting, there's photography. But film is kind of like this amalgamation of all those things put together. Absolutely, yeah. And that's why I, I have this crown for film. And so I see your point. You know, it's – it's and I talk – in my second episode, I talk about why horror. Like, it's called a um, watch Handle with Scare. It's all about why I love horror films. And it, it goes back to that tribal – campfire we tell stories as a self-preservation method as a safety method but also to like encourage and entertain and, and teach sure and um you know at the end of the day it's about teaching a, a lesson or a moral or or or, or ex, uh, extending knowledge and you know armageddon's defense <laughs> <laughs> oh man he's, he's gonna defend it all right cool I want um to um there's not much of a lesson to be learned here but 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 I will say the the, the only th big lesson I, I picked out of this movie because I watched it re recently you know I watched it last night just to be uh, more familiar and to brush up was the character growth of Bruce Willis's character. At the end of the day, it's really about Bruce Willis's character and his growth because all the other stuff the astronaut or the astronauts and the asteroid and all these things are just kind of there. And it's really about him, in my opinion, him learning to accept to teach his, to have his daughter be a woman and to accept as he, he, you know, as a single dad, he did well by her. You know, I'm, I'm wave topping a lot of this. Yeah. I, I'm so glad you're mentioning this so, because, because that gets so lost when people are like, wait, they sent oil drillers to blow up a meteor in space. Right. It's such yeah. a, it's such a crap story. It's really yeah. bad, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. Go, go, but yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, that's the thing is it's, uh, it, it is a crappy plot. Like, like who who would write that? But um, eight people wrote that. Eight people, eight very famous, successful people. By the way, um, they did something right, I guess. Yeah, so, uh, butts in the seats. That's what they did. So we have to ask ourselves: Is like, okay, this plot is not necessarily the plot that we're supposed to be looking at, um, and and that gets me into like so some of the other elements that I just mentioned there, right? Like, so let's look at casting. I want to talk about the cast of Armageddon. Let's do it. This is an ensemble cast. This thing competes... Hands down. This thing competes with any ensemble cast that you can name ever in the history of, like, of film. It, it, yeah. it, it, it's, fair, it's fair to say that, but it's also... Uh, uh, it's You've got to remain cautious because you're looking back at this now from 22 years ago where Owen Wilson really wasn't Owen Wilson yet. Sure. I think Steve Buscemi was still kind of like... 
fringe typecast as like yeah. the creepy low low character lowly character michael clark duncan really this was his breakout role mm-hmm. it really i don't think it was, ben affleck was just riding off the coattails of, of goodwill hunting yep and then uh which so, is my favorite movie just so people are don't think that i <laughs> only like crazy bad movies i'm not surprised that you like a math movie yeah <laughs> I'm uh, not surprised, but um, but yeah. Besides, like I think Bruce Willis and Billy Bob Thornton, those are the two big heavyweights here. Liv Tyler was still she was she turned 21 when this movie was coming out, mm-hmm. so and Ben Affleck was like the nice, handsome, hunky new guy in yep. in the scene. Um, he probably couldn't get Matt Damon. Uh, yeah. prob- <laughs> probably not. He was busy making um, whatever crap he was making. Cause, I don't know, he was cause, making rounders at that time or something. I don't know. Rounders. Yeah. Then Ben Affleck, ben Affleck went to go make Ranger games, so he can't really say anything either. So, but but to your point, yeah. So casting. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, you're absolutely right. This was pre a lot of them being big, uh, but they were all still actors at the time. And sure. and I will say that if there's anything that you can say about what they did with that cast was that they let them be themselves. Like like you you talk about like we for anybody who's watched a lot of movies. You know what you're getting when you wa- when you cast Owen Wilson, when you cast uh, Steve Buscemi. Like you know, basically, like what kind of character they're bringing, mm-hmm. and they took all of those people who are big names onto themselves and have uh, these characters that you're kind of like, whoa, that needs its own space. And they found a way to shove them all into a to a uh, to a movie and make something happen out of that. Yeah, I mean, I think every other character actor in this movie. Um was like at one point some sort of character actor or a bit actor. Um, even the psychologist, Udo Kier, who's like very briefly in there. He doesn't yeah. even have a line of dialogue. He's just there as they're talking about themselves in a little psych ward, sure. uh, a, med- a medical screening. And uh, to be fair, the script, like the scripts, I'm sure the script probably read something like they train. Yeah. And it was just like, <laughs> and I think Michael Bay said, all right. Everybody goof, do your thing. Goof off for out the cameras roll and, and we'll put it together some sometime later. And uh, your, a testament to your point is the little the quick scene where Bruce Willis is asking, he's giving the demands to Billy Bob Thornton like they don't want to pay taxes. They, he wants to stay in the White House. Those are all written by the actors. Those are all written notes that they gave to Bruce I didn't Willis. Know that. That's brilliant. Right, okay. and so it was all. Michael Bay's like, write whatever the hell you want, and Bruce Willis just read it and he he played it straight and yeah. it, it worked. That was actually a pretty funny bit in the movie. Yeah. I, I like that part. Um, so, so going back to like, you know, how do we evaluate this film, right? So the plot, again, plot's not good, but this casting is amazing. And, and when we look at this casting, we ask ourselves, okay, well, if you cast like that, where you're trying to get all these character actors, what are you trying to accomplish? Um, and then you go to, you, you have to go back through history of story. Um, so we think about, if we think about film, we think about Ocean's Eleven. Um, you know, we think about movies where, or you think about Rat Pack. You know, we, we think about people Old with, school. Okay. Uh, we think about people where you get a bunch of big personalities together. But you go even further back. I mean, you talk about, like, history of story. We think about Jason and the Argonauts. Yeah, uh, so you're talking about ancient Greek mythology where they were telling a story not necessarily because of, you know, what was special about what Jason and the Argonauts did? Did they do anything, you know, uniquely moral in their adventure? Not really. No. They just got a, they they got they got Hercules and Jason and uh, the the son of Mercury and whoever else they could get that was like a famous person in Greek mythology. They put them together and they're like, hey, let's tell an exciting story. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. And I think you know 
it, well, go back to the Greek. That's where theater kind of came from. Right. And, you know, it's bringing the community together yeah. for a night of you know, kind of blow off some steam sure. and kind of just see some contemporaries, see some favorites, see some familiar faces and, and, and kind of forget your troubles for an hour or two. So, I mean, but I think also in the crux of a story, like you have – and reason why maybe it doesn't always have to have a, a moral person mm-hmm. or like a lesson, but there's always has to be like – like like a reason you're telling the story. That's why there's the first two, three acts. There's sure. like mm-hmm. he has he she the character has to have an arc that you can identify with and you can appreciate. Otherwise, it's it you're gonna be bored. Won't be challenged. You won't be entertained. I feel. Yeah. Um. And and I think we get something like that in Armageddon. So uh, again, it's not it's not what you would find in in a, you know a drama period piece. Certainly, you know. No, uh, certainly not. Uh, but it's it's enough for us to recognize that there's a hero's journey happening, right? Completely. There's, uh, you have these guys who are the roughnecks. So, so they set the scene. You know, they go big to small. Uh, astro- uh, asteroids coming, um, impending doom. And then they go, zo- they immediately, hardcore, zoom in right to uh, Bruce Willis hitting a golf ball. And yep. it's like, yep, okay, so we've gone from one thing to the other. And here's our hero that we're going to identify with, and he's going to get the call. He's going right. to get the hero's call. Yep. And 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 if if there's anything to being too by the book that it's almost comical, that's what Michael Bay did there. It was like he just was like, all right, well, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to make it immediately obvious that this is a hero, and we're going to have to do some sort of call for him. Right. And um, this movie is two and a half hours. It's a long movie. It's a long movie, and they like they don't even get to space to the first hour um, yeah it's like hour and a half until like until they get to space right yeah. and and really once they get on the rock at the, it's like that's when it kind of just picks up steam and things are it rocking around like if it, it really does <laughs> um but you know it's um yeah like because you have to when you're establishing a, the hero and not only the hero but his but hero and his peers because you have to introduce the whole gang yep because they and in a way, they're kind of like the check. I said this a lot on the show. I'm sorry, listeners, but Chekhov's gun is all these kind of heroes are introduced, but they all come into play later. They're not just like throwaway fodder. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them are. Yeah. Some of them don't really make that no. far into the film, yeah. but um, like Bear does. Uh, um, I already forgot Steve Buscemi's character's name. Rockhound. Rockhound. Yep. Yeah. Maniac. The um, genius with two PhDs. From right. MIT. At 22. At 22. Yeah. That. Um, Do you think they let him ad lib that? I feel like they probably just let. That him seemed like the kind of he kind of went off the rails, went off the races, and just <laughs> made some shit up. And <laughs> that's funny. Um, I wouldn't. I mean, I think Steve Buscemi is a brilliant performer. Sure. And so I, I told, I have no qualms about buying that he did that all off the cuff or whatever he did. Um, but you know, it is it is by the book, and I think that's also kind of what's kind of insulting about this movie is that it's everything gets wrapped up. If you you know, because uh, a good friend of mine, Erica, she has this line because she's she's she just got her graduate degree in film studies. Like she's okay. really studied in film, and um, so she should be here, not she, me. <laughs> she actually talked about Parasite with me. Oh, okay, right on. So that's the one when you were like, "Hey, I want to do Parasite." I'm like, ah, "I got someone kind of in the yeah. shoot for that." Yeah. So to be fair, somebody qualified. <laughs> no, not that you're not qualified, but uh, she got got to me first about it. Okay. Um, but she has, has a, a saying that says every scene has a every line has a meaning, every scene has a meaning, and Armageddon 
not that every line is like monumental and, and, and so purposeful, but like every little they they do well to cover up. And it's also the problem I have with the Dark Knight Rises. Quick tangent is that everything kind of got wrapped up by line of dialogue. It was mm-hmm. like we covered our ass because oh the rest of the when like at the end of the movie when the asteroid breaks, nuclear explosion goes off, all the rest of the little pieces are vaporizing in the atmosphere. Like like we need to know that because we're gonna have questions. But it's like it's so hammy it's how too easy yeah it's too easy it's too hammy it's too yeah. it's too michael bay yeah <laughs> i mean i don't i don't and michael bay's defense i don't go to michael bay films looking for oscar bait right i don't i'm glad he doesn't i mean i'm glad he doesn't he provides hollywood with a check and a balance i think that's what he does. there's a place for michael bay yes he has he has a job to do and a job is to put butts in seats and show us exploding things on the screen that yeah. are loud and yep Stuff. I think there's a direct correlation between how many explosions he has in a movie and how much money he makes off of it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got to – so I, before we get to uh, – I know you want to go back to the casting, but I had to, like, read the snippet from a review I read about Armageddon, and um, I love it. It's just – the whole review is just completely scathing. It's sure. just, like, just through the coals, <laughs> raking, just bleeding out this movie. Um, this movie is an assault on the eyes, the ears, the brain, common sense, and the human desire to be entertained. No matter what they're charging to get in, it's worth more to get out. Wow. That's amazing. That's rough. That's – wow. Holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> so I kind of believe that. Oh, but okay. at the same time, at the same time, like, I'm not as curmudgeon as as Roger Ebert Sure. Uh, was rest in peace again, but um, back to the cast. Um, so some things are kind of unbelievable because back to the cast. We have we are establishing Bruce Willis as this hero. Um, he's got a father. He's a, he is a father. He has a problem with his employee. We, we enter a conflict with AJ, who's kind of like the yeah. supposed bas- to be the protege. But sure, he's basically not, basically not really, yeah. Bruce Willis's person who he was twenty years ago in, in yep. a way like. So they butt heads. They both have egos and everything. And oh, by the way, he's also banging your daughter, bro. Yeah. And that okay, it pisses him off. Um, right. And I, I thought it was kind of like oh, this is the Michael Bay fix, not quite a Deus Ex Machina kind of a thing, but the fix that I'm talking about, like when they're first initially kind of beefing when he finds her and him in bed with Liv Tyler, Ben Affleck in bed with Liv Tyler, chases him around the whole rig with a shotgun, all these things. And then the the government comes in. All right, Bruce Willis, we need you to come with us right now because the president said so. But whatever line of dialogue yeah. they said to get him off the, off the thing. And as Bruce Willis is leaving, all right, AJ, pay him and get him off the boat. Get him off the, the rig. And the whole time, I remember Ben Affleck's character saying, oh, I'm going to get my own rig. I'm going to get, you know. Yeah. And then think about the time frames is put in, like 18 days till this asteroid hits. And then when Bruce Willis finally has to go get the game together, AJ already has his own business with signs. He's already yeah. like they weren't good signs, mind you. They weren't good they, signs. It was like it was like he went to his garage and spray painted the sign. <laughs> I mean, it was just like it was like almost like a two, like how what, did he go? What vortex in time did he slip through and come out with his own? Like he had like the mechanical. Hey, you know, gears going the, back and forth. So, so, so uh, one of the things that we get in this film is that oil riggers clearly are um, simultaneously criminal renegades, but they also all have PhDs. Uh, they're geniuses with the operational skills of uh, SEAL Team Six. So, yes, yeah. So, like, that's what we get out of this movie. This is very small 
<laughs> slivers of the population can match this criteria. Yeah. Uh, it was it was so so rigorous in fact that it was easier to train them to be astronauts than to teach astronauts how to drill. Like obviously. Yeah. Um <laughs> Okay, so and but then also like so they have all, they're all educated oh at least I think Rockhound only one who's like vocal, but they're all, they're all educated at least in their skill sets. Right. And um and then we have the very non-PC moment that was so 1990s with the general, Keith David. Yeah. Do you remember what line he said? Oh, we, the, 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 well, he says he calls them a bunch of retards. Yes. Yes, yes, I, I do went, remember that. With a, with a potato gun. I would yeah. trust them with a potato gun. Yeah. I was like, whoa, this is so 1998. Yes. You could not say that in 2020. Yeah, I mean, there were, few, there were more than a few stereotypes that were played in that film. Yes. Yeah. That, that yeah. one just really just... Yeah, 1998. Yeah. Ooh, that Take. one like really hit... Yeah. You cannot say that anymore. <laughs> Oh my, but um, and then um, I thought I thought it was a funny little line that I think they put in there on purpose when um when they're doing the medical screening and they're like they have the big needle and like you ever seen Pulp Fiction yeah and like but Bruce Willis anyway yeah. is in Pulp yeah. Fiction it's, it's there's a lot of clever things that are going on despite the fact that the overall nature of the movie is designed not to be clever it's so so like let's go back to um. So, so, so you mentioned that it was almost insulting, right? Uh, in some ways, right? This film just kind of, it's, it's in many ways is probably the opposite of Parasite. So where, where Parasite has like this, uh, this perfection of, um, everything having a meaning, um, you know, whoever you want to credit to, whether it was the screenwriters uh, and the script, or the or you want to just credit to Michael Bay himself and the way he directed the film, um, they're not trying to do that. They're just trying to move you through the story, uh, which is already two and a half hours long, and and get you to understand the things that are happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and if we recognize that, again, that the target audience for a movie like this is people who want to be entertained by a heroic story in the face of, of disaster, um, that's probably not just good enough, but in fact, optimal. Okay. Right? I mean, so... Yes. So there's a question of like what art is at this point. So, and I I will always argue that art is subjective. Yeah. Um. And, and anything, uh, making a sandwich can be art. Sure. Whatever whatever yeah. whatever it is. Um. So, but like, if you were to, uh, not to be so melodramatic, but if a gun to your head, is Armageddon art? You know, maybe relative to what you know is art like? Do people seek out Armageddon is Armageddon a movie that when you're you know when you are recommending a film to somebody when you're, rec- when you're recommending a genre a story you know maybe you do recommend Armageddon but how often do you feel like it does get recommended compared to like Saving Private Ryan sure or yeah, absolutely. Jurassic Park you know something yeah. like a big heavy hitter because um, Armageddon's like you know remembered but, but kind of a big stinker yeah, because it's kind of just it's kind of a mess, and uh, like it is this just giant, you know. I'm not saying Michael Bay is a bad director. He is a bad director. 
but what I'm saying is the script um, that he had a hand in wasn't all his his fault. No, um, it, couldn't, it couldn't have possibly been. Um, because it seems like every – and the, this padding of two and a half hours. This movie could have been two hours. Sure. Maybe an hour 45, honestly. Because it, every little beat of the film is met with another smaller conflict. The cosmonaut station. Yep. Blows up. The first, the second shuttle goes down, and then, and then on the wave of the second drill, Ben Affleck and the cosmonaut getting to Bruce Willis, they have to like do all these other hurdles and jump through all these hoops. It's like it's almost exhausting. It's like yeah. just, just, just get there. Just do or do or don't. <laughs> yeah. You know, and and it's like, and then I so I forget what am I watching anymore? Like, are they trying to drill or do, who do I care about? Because. You know, I yeah, mean, there's the, so there's definitely some awful scenes in the film. Um, probably the worst <laughs> one, in my opinion, in, in my opinion, the worst scene is uh, the animal cracker scene. <laughs> Thank you. Um, it was pretty bad. It's bad. It's not good. Uh, back so back to the fluff I was just re- uh, referring to. Um, I also read that that whole subplot between Affleck and and Liv Tyler was like written afterwards. Sure. Because I I forget the reason, and I really don't care anymore what the reason was, okay. but basically it was just, like, added to, like, you know, I think it was to, to appeal to maybe the female audience or perhaps there's there's some other monetary reason right. to tack that on. And really it's just extra just fat. Trim it off. Trim it off. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm more interested in the story of the father and the daughter mm-hmm. than I am with the, hey, hey, girlfriends come and go. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, but like, you know, or boyfriends come and go, really. But like, uh, uh, like a parent, child, that's like a, th- that's a thing. You know, right. that's that's solid. So like, I'll I'll invest, and in, and plus because you get introduced to them, they already have a tumultuous relationship. Like she doesn't call him dad, she calls him Harry. Yes. And you know, which changes at the end of the movie. Of course. Uh, so so very con- again. So is it very convenient that she changes at the end? Is it very like? overly obvious she goes from harry 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 hey your name is harry i don't call you dad to at the end of the movie that's my daddy like those are the actual words that come out of her mouth or that's my daddy and i'm like okay well okay that's a little much but maybe it's not again i'm i'm advocating for this film as a good bad movie because of of while from this perspective of like you know we have to be critical and have an eye for what can be trimmed and what can be perfected mm-hmm. uh sure maybe it's not it's not clean but what does it create in the sense of like did it have did it do the thing that it was supposed to be doing i would agree it did yeah and if i was if john was still 10 years old and john went some got a bowl of popcorn from the microwave sat down john 10 year old john would love the shit out of armageddon <laughs> hey, like no no doubt yeah no argument at all, um, but it, and, and but that's the problem with these with good bad movies, is um, they're often lost in nostalgia, mm-hmm. and um, and we and we tie them we we look at them through rose colored glasses, and we remember how good they were, and then we go and when we see some more, we experience more life, we we see some better films, you know we get we get used to our our levels kind of get naturally rise and we have expectations now and now we see a film that we go back to you know maybe we do see it at the same value but maybe we look at it like this doesn't age too well you know yeah i mean i'm not talking about like disney cartoons and and stuff 
obviously aimed towards children, but like these big heavy blockbusters, like it, even like Never Ending Story. Like I went back to that. Yeah. Um, I was twenty five. It was a couple, almost a decade ago now, and I was like, this is this is not as good as I remember. This is hard <laughs> to watch now. Wow. But so, I, think, I I feel like we have to be fair to that. Uh, in not just the sense of like we advance through time, but we have to be careful that we don't put our current cultural lens uh, as the only measure by which a film or any story can be good. Um, because, I mean, I'll talk about an all-time great film that critics love to talk about. It's Casablanca. Sure. Yeah. Uh, it's not that good of a movie. I'm just going to say it. Like, okay. Yeah, like it's it's it, it, there's a lot of things that are good about it, and it was groundbreaking in many ways. But if you compare it to other films, even of the same era, you know it it's not necessarily the best film. I think so. You make a good a good point because um, when I was coming up and I was kind of I was kind of ebbing into my film appreciation age. Um, I tried not to be too pretentious and snobby with my film selections, um, but I'd have this small, quick phase where I was like, just because a film came out in the 30s does not make it a classic. Sure. I would like, I would write it off with like, no, right. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. um, and mostly, and half that was just me staying up from my principles, but also half of me was like being a little ignorant and like, I haven't really seen those films, so I couldn't really say. So I decided to go back. Mm-hmm. And I watched a lot of actually within the last six seven months, I watched a lot of films from the thirties and forties and fifties. Some of them are really good. And I was blown away. But I got a list from my friend Erica. She sent me a list, and I was like, "This is these films are really amazing." Yeah. And I've been sleeping on these films for for, since I was born. Obviously, they came out way before I was I was around, and they've aged well. They they still hold up. They still like. Uh, one of the first ones I went to go visit was Rope by Alfred Hitchcock. Okay. One as a one shot. It's well, it's not a complete one shot, but it's said to look like a one shot film in like 1948 or. Good for Alfred Hitchcock. And, Hitchcock. and uh, I've never seen the movie, but that sounds amazing. It it <laughs> it blew me away. Like I was I was on the edge of my chase part of my couch, like, whoa, whoa, like, uh, you know, and like I don't get that with like some contemporary cinema, mm-hmm. and that 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 prompts itself up as edgy and scary and mysterious and thrilling. So, um, so my point being back to your point, just because it is, you know, revered as such doesn't mean it's going to, you know, be celebrated as that, uh, years later. Um, sometimes they are. Um, I think Armageddon doesn't really land itself in those kinds of categories because I don't think it was really well, <laughs> Well it was never. It wasn't well received then, and it's still probably not well received now. And I, I, I yeah. would, I would argue that there's a, probably a small pool of folks out there that hold Armageddon in high esteem, sure. regarded. Hey, this is my favorite film. Hey, yeah. and that's fine. Um, but there's so much better cinema out there. Yeah. And and again, that's my opinion. I could say that, and everyone's welcome to disagree with my opinion because yeah. that's all they are. <laughs> Opinions, yeah. and they don't mean shit, really. But um, so, like, so one of my points I wanted to ask you was rewatchability. Like, okay. uh, like, if you have a Netflix or Hulu or whatever you streaming service you have queued up, 
how how likely are you going to go back and visit Armageddon? Um, so you're asking the wrong guy. So you, um, like, okay. you're already you're already asking a guy who who loves to talk about this film specifically for what it is. And I've probably watched this movie about a dozen times. Okay. So, uh, I mean, I'm I'm highly likely to watch it again. Okay. Um, especially if I meet somebody who hasn't seen it. Okay, but 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 do you see my point though? It's right. like, um, okay, do you like Ninja Turtles? Which which one? The uh... here we go. Aha! Yeah, uh, I got you. Which ones? The <laughs> the '90s ones? Ain't live action? Like, do you like those? Uh, I would say I got you, but yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I like them. I so I've watched them. I've actually watched them a few times. Uh, not recently. So relative to the newer, the two they made these two new ones came out like the last couple of years ago. I didn't watch those. I didn't even see them. No. Yeah. So you're you're starting off with at an advantage, okay? Because they were both terrible. <laughs> like they were, and they're both Michael Bay movies. I think yeah. they're Michael. Yeah, Bay. but but we know that he historically produces some garbage. So it so it would be interesting to think. If you saw those old Ninja Turtle movies, and then you watch these these newer versions that I think either he directed or he produced, or he yeah. he definitely had his uh, handprint on them. Okay, they're very Michael Bay esque and nothing else. Would you respond better to those films than to those old '90s when you and I were about five, six, seven years old? I don't know. That's a that's a great question. Like that's like that's confronting my own bias. Uh, exactly. About yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and I, so I want to ask the question like. You know, I I know that you being good will hunting is your favorite film uh, film, yeah. and it's not your fault. And uh, <laughs> it's not your fault. <laughs> How about them apples? Um, and we, you've you've uh, come clean with how you feel about Armageddon. Yeah. Um. Uh, what's my question here? Um. Do you feel that like a film a a good bad film like an Armageddon? Mm-hmm. Um. Whatever it may, say it is this Ninja Turtle movie that came out in 2015 or whenever it was would you you think you would naturally you think you would naturally gravitate gravitate toward it because it's so bad but you can you can see why it's it depends uh and so so that's where like the other elements of film come into play Uh uh-huh so so one of the reasons that i love armageddon is because while the story is bad many of the other elements are actually really good Okay. Uh, not not all of them. Um, so there's some really. Which ones do you, Which ones do you mean? Or which so, are the good ones? So casting, like yes, again, okay, acting, acting, casting, and any sort of direction that they gave to those actors was brilliant. Uh, uh, they let them be themselves, and it turns it very much turns into you know you you can compare it to. Uh, I'm not gonna say okay. We have to separate the the, the specific from the general. Okay. Um, but specifically, when it comes to casting, you can compare it to uh, to stuff like Ocean's Eleven and Twelve Angry Men because you're letting these guys be them, and these are all famous actors who do what they do really well. Yeah, big un- big ensemble pieces. Um, they rely on chemistry. Yeah, and um, and and you know, it's when you have a, like you take it like the the uh, MCU movies, like mm-hmm. the Avengers Endgame, Avengers Infinity War. There's so many characters. Um, and they had the advantage of having all these movies cultivating their yeah. their presence and For their sure. characters. Um, but there's also that balance between the chemistry and screen time and dialogue and, mm-hmm. and, and value to the plot. And, and you know, because I think it's it's pretty obvious. Bruce Willis, main character, he's a star, blah, 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 blah. He gets top billing. And how do these 
characters relate. Really, he's like kind of like the linchpin to all these other parts of the ensemble. Mm-hmm. And um, I would agree that many, not all, but many, excuse me, many of these uh, um, Armageddon ensemble characters bounce off each other very well. Um, I enjoy watching them just bullshit. Yeah. Like if they, there's like a Reservoir Dogs scene with just these act. Well, Steve, speaking of Steve Buscemi, but like, yeah. <laughs> but besides that, of just Bruce Willis and all, and coming kind of like just talking shop around like the the coffee table. Yeah. Or on the, the oil rig. On the oil rig, you know, yeah. that would be I would be a fly in the wall in a heartbeat. That'd right. be so much fun. Um, and for reference, so Teenage Mutant Ninja, Ninja Turtles out of the shell in 2016. I'm answering the question that you didn't ask. Was directed by Dave Green. Okay. I don't know who Dave Green is. Um, uh, let's see. What else has he made? He also directed... I don't know why I'm going to bring this guy up, but... Actually, that's his... He dialed... He, wow. He directed a bunch yeah, of shorts. Yeah, nobody wanted him after that, it looks like. I'm looking at his... Uh, He's got a, a Wiley, Wiley E. Coyote director credit announced so yeah he uh yikes man <laughs> okay uh, that was a sequel to the other f- new one that came out i'm not going to bother researching that original one no yeah it looks like uh no not people were not interested in him after no. that no okay so characters casting ensemble yeah. um great and stuff let's also talk about um some of the some the design uh, of the film, and when I when I say design, I'm talking costuming, I'm talking hair, makeup, I'm talking set, effects, uh, um, general effects. Um, sure. Yeah, not necessarily CGI. And uh, I mean, you're getting exactly what you would want with a space disaster movie in this. Um, so this is 1998. So uh, Michael Bay was still limited in his ability to use pure CGI, which, thank goodness, because he uses some live effects, and, mm-hmm. and they look good. Um, he's always been very good at that kind of stuff, uh, you know, as much as uh, we disparage him for being too much on a lot of things. Um, he understands how to make something look, uh, uh, look like more than it is. Yeah, I, I think the way they crafted the set pieces... Um... Some of them were kind of it's kind of hokey a little bit, like the on on the asteroid themselves. It was like they're basically walking on Earth, but then you have the occasional like air bubble pockets, yep. geysers busting out, and like yeah. okay, and I had like these jagged crystals that were like mm-hmm. coming out, protruding out of the ground, and that was interesting. But I, I saw which I, is uh, there's a little bit of similarity to that and uh, the Princess Bride, where uh, there's the, the the area where the rodents of unusual size come out. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. So there's like coming out of the ground. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. I was gonna also add the the computer effects. Like uh, I read a, I read a review, uh, a snippet of review that also argued about the uh, argued against the greatness of the effects. Where the the wide shots we mm-hmm. get of the asteroid are very a second and a half, like ninety frames, and it's it's gone. Right, and because it's so not to put together as well as we'd like. So by the time our brain's processing it, it's already. Yeah cut to something to Bruce Willis going yeah. whatever he's yeah. doing yeah and uh which Michael so, Bay does a lot uh he definitely does the uh, quick cutting. I mean he's he's the most aggressive cutter in <laughs> like honestly like it's yeah and it's also why this film was so nauseating because it's like you can't really you don't feel grounded 
mm-hmm. you feel like you're just jumbling all over the place, and um, mm-hmm. and and that's a that's appropriate at times, mm-hmm. obviously. But yeah. like that's if that's your whole tone. Oof. Like sit me down, man. It's it is a bit much. Yeah, yeah a little bit, a little bit. Um. Uh, the the attention span can can be difficult, uh, especially if you know. Um, I wouldn't recommend watching a Clint Eastwood movie and then watching this, right? Like, I would throw up. Yeah, you like it would be the rough. the the distance between the pacing of those two types of films, mm-hmm. Clint Eastwood versus Michael Bay, are so far apart that you would. Yeah, I think yeah, any, probably any Clint Eastwood, either one he directed himself or one he started in the '60s, because right. they're both they're all pretty drawn out, yeah, slow, slow burns, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah, just the antithesis of everything Michael Bay stands for, <laughs> it, pretty much. Um, so, uh, um, and, and then go ahead, okay. yeah, yeah, and then and then um, so so you look at that stuff, and then and then. Let's uh, let's also take a look at like where it stands within its own genre, and within its own genre, we have to like say like okay, what is this movie? This movie is a disaster movie. Sure. Um, Completely. And uh, oh, the name of the movie is uh, escaping me right now. But I mean, what's the epitome of disaster movie anyway? I mean, we've got Godzilla. Uh, we've got. Uh, the movie where uh, they're on a boat. Poseidon. Poseidon, thank you. Um, yeah, so so you've got some of those that are like actually very well done. Sure. Um, but for the most part, most disaster movies like are, video, video game movies are disaster movies. Like we know what they are. Right. Yeah. The expectations are not high. Yeah, and so as far as where disaster movies sit in the entire broad category of film. Uh, I think Armageddon sits nice and neatly inside of that. And... Yeah, I mean, it, it it rounds itself out. It tells a, it's a very big, it's very ambitious. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got lots of characters. It's just it's just it's a lot of movie <laughs> in this movie. Yeah, and um, and what I guess because like my experience in the military now versus. 13-year-old John's experience when he saw this movie, when it came out, two different people, obviously. But, like, looking back at it now, at all the mumbo-jumbo and all the lingo and all the dialogue that's so hogwash, it's so it, – so, again, I'm corrupted by my own experiences, right. how cringy. And it's – and I wonder, like, if if I didn't have the experience of the military, military that I have now, would I still view it as such or would I kind of just spe- – see the transparency of like how d- who wrote this like who actually wrote the lines and put this together aside from the 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 uh, uh obviously the probably ad-libbed improv stuff of the of the, the the oil rig crew but everything else is like all the billy bob thornton talking to the people and the general talking to the president and sure. just and armageddon is not the only film that has done this especially in the 90s yes oh the, 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 oh my ears were uh, yeah. bleeding yeah. <laughs> for this kind and, of stuff. And, and yeah, so so we do have to be careful again, p- uh, putting a specific lens of your military experience over a movie where they probably weren't expecting to have to deal with people, uh, an entire sure. generation of post nine eleven uh, right. veterans. And and that's not fair to put on the movie. Yeah, because it came out before nine eleven. It yeah. had no idea, and the global war on terrorism wasn't 
I don't yeah. think was it was a blip on the on the screen. Right. They weren't expecting ten percent of the population to know exactly what they were saying. Right. About them, everything that's going on in the military. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so, and then like, and then like, even now, like twenty plus years later, now the whole space force, space command, like the whole the whole thread I was trying to kind of pull at in the beginning, like, did. What did we really have a thing in the Pentagon? Because that, that would what would really needed. There was, uh, I assume, there has to have been. Some, if there some wasn't, sort of... there was definitely one after Independence Day came out. So you know, Will Smith Touché. and Jeff Goldblum, uh, congratulations, you're responsible for the development of Space Force. Indirectly, yeah. That's what I call a close encounter. So, um, so a funny tidbit about um, this movie. So Bruce Willis was. Um, in the middle, before he made Armageddon, he was in the middle of making another film that was just not panning out. In the middle of filming, it was just literally an Armageddon in process. Um, so he bailed out, and Disney bought out his contract and said, all right, fine, we, you will pull you, but you have to do Armageddon and two more films. You had to sign this three-year, three-movie contract. Do you know what the other two films were? No, I'm really curious. The Sixth Sense and Unbreakable. Wow. Because Buena bon- Vista owned or made those films and that's owned by disney no, so kidding. so so if he didn't so make armageddon we wouldn't have had we wouldn't have gotten of, those those successes so i'm yeah i'm silver linings all, all yeah. day yeah but but you know you know every cloud has a silver lining and also there's also some darkness to Dark. that because i mean <laughs> then we have to deal with m night Shyamalan sequels um, now we're now we're getting convoluted with okay. I'm, all right. Anyway, Bruce Willis is cloud. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce Willis is cloud. Um, um, fair. I, okay. All right. Uh, and then let's talk about the actual lines themselves. So you talk about how um, some of those lines were really cringy as far as uh, the the technical jargon and the lingo. Sure. Um, so so they're definitely over the top. Okay. Right. Uh, I will make no claims that they're realistic. I want to put out there, though, that realism was never the goal. Fair. Yeah. I mean, because I love those, even the shots of the space, on, like, the, the deck of the space command people when they're pushing the buttons, and it's, it's like, shots of, like, he's got so-and-so feet tools, so-and-so this, and so-and-so distance, and, like, have the, the real-time displays of the, the bodies running towards down the tunnels. <laughs> and then you have, it's so, it's so silly. And then you have, like, when they're, in the, the two space shuttles flying around the asteroid, and you have always great cutaway close-ups of the characters saying these snappy one-liners, but the one-liners aren't snappy at all. Yeah. Like I looked at them yesterday, <laughs> and like, why would you say? Why would you devote lighting a whole scene for this one shot for this one line of dialogue? That's just this is why this movie is two and a half hours. Yes, I agree. <laughs> um, so so like let's take a let's take a comparison, right? So uh, I wrote down one of my favorite lines out of this. Uh, Can't movie, wait. Movie. It's Billy Bob Thornton, uh-huh. and he's being questioned by the president on why we didn't know that this asteroid was coming to hit the Earth. I know. And I line. love this line. He's like, "Well, sir, our object collisions budget is about a million dollars. That allows us to track about three percent of the sky." Well, I beg your pardon, sir, but it's a big ass sky. Yes. And I was just like, and he delivers it in the most Billy Bob Thornton way. I'm like, God. God he played. He, he played it pretty straight. He's like, Yeah. Like, and I was just like, you know what? If I'm accepting that this movie is not designed to be real, but is designed to tell this disaster movie that's over the top, it's meant to represent everybody as uh, as more than they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a perfect line, in fact. Sure. Yeah. Actually, I have no problem with that line. That's like one yeah. of the better lines 
Yeah. That's one of the lines I remember when I first watched it and I took with me later in life. Yeah. I'm like, that's a good line. Yeah, that's bigger, a fun line. Yeah, bigger partner, sir, but that's it's a big ass guy. Big ass guy. Um, <laughs> um, then you have some awful lines. Um, I'm just going to basically say the entire uh, animal cracker scene, again, is just a terrible, terrible it's scene. It's tra- travesty in film yeah. literature. Uh, uh, the, they're. Um, right up there like with Chuck a lot. Um, the, the, the movie Chuck a lot? I'm sorry. Never mind. I, I like the movie. You like that movie? Okay. I do. All right. I well, I have. I, it's not my favorite or anything, but I have a soft spot. Okay. For fair, it. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. It's 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 my Armageddon, if you will. It's your Armageddon. Okay. Yeah. That's that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, uh, uh, what was I saying? Oh yeah. So some of the lines, like the uh, macho bravado, like when what's that Colonel, the the, the pilot Colonel Stark, some. Oh my hey, god. Uh... What's his name? That's gonna bug me now. I'm gonna look it up because I had to. I had to like know who I'm talking about, otherwise I feel like a fraud. Um, well, it's hard to remember everybody's name in this movie. There's only like there's... a million people. In this... It's Sharp. Uh, it's, yeah, so it's Colonel Sharp. It's played by William Fickner. Yes. Because yeah. Right. Again, they couldn't hire any more amazing actors, they, so they had to. They just hire William they Fickner. loaded up this cast with people. <laughs> they stacked the deck with this with this cast. Yeah. That's one thing they did very well and very right. Um, no, so. Um, no, what does he say? He this the whole when they're doing like the second protocol and he like takes the gun out of the safe and like he's this whole between between he and Bruce Willis like this big macho a my dick is bigger than yours and this is why it's the nuclear bomb is is and again why is there a screen for a nuclear weapon that's got ticking down yeah, yeah, analog yeah. It's not who's going to be around to watch that. It's anyway. for the movie. It's for the movie. I I, I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> it, it's just so dumb. <laughs> it's still this makes me mean it's not dumb. Um, so some of those lines are kind of just silly. Like when they're doing like the whole all right, turn on the thrusters and like oh okay, that's pilot talk. I, I'm I'm here for it. Yeah. I don't know a damn thing about being a pilot. So, but like some of the, you know, I like some of the some of the Bruce Willis bravado. Like I'm not asking you. I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> like or the. Whatever he says. He says yeah. a bunch of that kind of stuff the whole yeah. movie. Like, cause he's a big, tough dude. Because that's what they hired him for. Yeah. yeah. He didn't hire him to be polite. Yeah. Drill a hole and drop a bomb and get the hell off the rock and call yeah. it a day. Go get a beer. <laughs> I think we're pretty good on casting. I think we really hit the button on, on all the yeah. wickets. Yeah. And, and so uh, it's not just casting. So, so like, I'm, all, I'm, I'm referring it back to, you know, uh, the screenplay itself, the actual mm-hmm. writing of, this, of the script. That there are some real high highs there. Again, if the goal is not realism, which uh, we can compare notes on what uh, what's what's the importance of that to, to film. You know, if if the if the lack of realism takes you out of the film, then that's a problem. But if their lack of realism has no bearing on whether or not you're enjoying the film, then the surrealism is is in its own way what uh the intent it's the it's it's achieving what it's supposed to be doing which is creating this feeling uh when we think about great 80s movies um and i'm talking about the pulpy ones the the ones that people love because they're just fun whether they're rocky uh not rocky one rocky one's a real legit drama but like rocky three and onward sure um or you're talking um uh like top gun Mm -hmm. right people enjoy those because they're not realistic they're just like these over-the-top emotion-creating uh, pieces. 
Right. There are movies you they're escape. Yeah. Escapism and you go get your your $800 bottle or a box of popcorn yeah. and $400 bottle of soda or whatever you get. And so and I I would agree there is a place for that. And you know but Armageddon I guess my so my point is like I understand that there's certain films that are are in, intrinsically just not great. There's not like metrically speaking, they're just they don't measure up to like the Godfathers of the world, and that's okay. Not everyone, sure. not every film can be a Goodfellas, Godfather, whatever. Insert great film here, but okay. Do I do want to go back to it later? You you would want to go back to Armageddon. You said so. You've done it. Yes. Yeah. Too I, many too many times. I I went back to Armageddon for you. <laughs> I appreciate. That. I would not go back to ever again on my own accord, um, but I did it because, you know what? It's, it was a challenge for me also. Um, a friend of mine, Lindsay, on the show, we did a episode. Of, uh, have you seen Jupiter Ascending? No. Um, no. Sp- spoiler alert! It's really bad. Yeah. It looks amazing because the Wachowski siblings made yeah. it. It looks beautiful, beautiful looking film. That's it. It's it's just a bunch of pretty people in it's space. It's Mila Kunis and Channing Tatum, right? Right, pretty people in okay, space, yeah. and it's yeah, just yeah. garbage. Um, but I, I, she said, I want to talk about this film. Hey, you got it, and I sat through it. Yeah. I, I didn't want to say suffer. I sat yeah. through it, and uh, okay. So now let me ask them. So you you had to suffer through it. Mm-hmm. Which one was more suffering? Jupiter ascending. Okay, all right. I just want to be and, sure. And, yeah. and that's it's only because. Um, one is a worse movie than Armageddon for reasons I don't want to go into now because I'm trying to forget Jupiter Ascending. <laughs> but uh, I'm also I, I have a history with Armageddon. It's part of my childhood. It's it's got it's got a stamp there that I I'll never get rid of. So okay. and I, and I want to leave it on on one final point in favor of Armageddon. Okay. And that is I don't want to miss a thing by Aerosmith. <laughs> okay. Full disclosure, I owned the soundtrack. Thank you. All right. See, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. You knew it. (laughs) It had four Aerosmith songs. I had a couple other songs. It did. They had Liv Tyler on there, and they were like, hey, you know, can you just get your dad to come make uh, the soundtrack for our movie? Not only that, he'll get an Oscar nomination. Yeah. They did. They didn't win, but uh, yeah. they had. why the heck not? They had a Sweet Emotion on the soundtrack. They had a few songs on on the sound, I'm like, yeah. it's very Aerosmith heavy. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Go ahead. So they were just they're, they're uh, again, and and when you think about the the particular songs that they picked from Aerosmith, I again go back to this idea that there was an emotion that they were creating, not necessarily uh, a depth of uh, realism or anything that they were trying to go for. It was like we're gonna play these Aerosmith songs because you're gonna feel a certain way when you hear them, and and that's what we're gonna do with this movie. Yeah, I think that that Aerosmith video for that I don't want to miss a thing. Miss is, a thing. It is the clips from Armageddon. It, it is, and it, it that I remember that video like back then MTV was still relatively music heavy. Yeah. VH1 was like picking up the slack that MTV let go of, and both channels were just they're they're hot potatoing that video. It was everywhere. <laughs> um, and I mean I really like the song, for sure. And I what else is on that soundtrack? Uh, 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 what kind of love are you on? What's by Aerosmith? Sweet Emotion. And they had one more. 
Um, oh, come together. Um, and then, of course, they had that. Uh, leaving on a jet. Yeah, they, yep, they, where they actually sang it. The yep. cast sang. Right. That was, that, was, that was a fun little bit. I'll give them that. Yeah. The one, the one thread that I, I really. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was just uh, gonna mention that they also have John Bon Jovi and Journey also on this. They they it's do. Amazing. I have it pulled up too. Yeah, Mr. Big Time and uh, by by uh, I'm sorry, John Bon Jovi. But um, the one the, the sequence that I really liked, and it's it's super pretentious, pretentious and cheesy, is just the them they're marching to the shuttle shot of everybody. Yeah. And then you have like the updated version was like a third of them are left and it's like it's a good like okay good tie-in good okay we lost some people but you know what mission's accomplished and it's definitely it's definitely a movie that anyone of any age demographic any background can okay i get it they did the thing they saved the day life's good again um uh, uh, the one thing Armageddon has against it, no, one of the many things Armageddon <laughs> has against, I, I corrected myself, um, and again, it's not, it's not, not Armageddon's fault. The fact that this came from America is that America saves the day. Yeah, which again. was an actual joke in Independence Day, <clears throat> um, right? With help, they, of, with help of a Russian cosmonaut. Yes. To be so. Fair. So Armageddon took it and ran with it. Where even Independence Day was a little self-deprecating when it came to that point. Um, yeah, uh, they were fully aware of the irony. I think Armageddon sure. was not as aware. And again, this is why it's a bad movie. But we still, but I considered a good bad movie because it still executes well. It's just not a good movie. Yeah, it doesn't have those sharp underpinnings yeah. that better films have. Yeah. Um, that's okay. It's okay. Um, what more do you want to cover on on Armageddon? Uh, no, that's that's it. I, th- I think uh, we we covered um, the various elements uh, of Armageddon probably more than you expected that you were ever going to have to do in your life. But here uh, we are. <laughs> it, was, I, I, it, was, it was a good chat. I like to like the you know sometimes movies are just fun just to pick apart just because you know and a movie like Armageddon like I said like it's got a stamp to my my childhood like it's. I didn't just, it wasn't just like like a extraction just came out on Netflix two months ago with Chris Hemsworth. Like I don't have a real tie. I've seen the extraction like four times at this point because it's just fun to watch. Sure. But like there's no like I don't have decades of like yeah. I don't want to miss a thing in my veins because right. of extraction. I have it because of Armageddon. Yep. For sure. So okay. I'm interested to hear your rating this according to the blood sweat and popcorn rubric okay so i actually didn't rate this movie i was afraid to you're okay i was afraid to because i i didn't want to uh have to give it a rating um maybe 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 in uh some future point i'll 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 give you a rating okay well i'll that's fine um i'll give it a rating okay um um i'm not gonna rate as low as you may consider um so remember f is craptacular Mm -hmm. d is never again i'm gonna give it a c which is white noise, and the and the asterisk of that is it's forgettable, but not terrible. Have it on in the background, and only gets that one tier up from the D because it's got nostalgia imprinted on me. Sure, it has that one advantage. Yeah, and and I think we have to account for that, I, and and not in a negative way. Sure. Um, again, 
uh, what are what is art but an extension of our human experience and if that human experience was positive then let's remember that that was a positive one and sure. not discount that because we uh, have educated ourselves away from a positive experience fair that's a good point I, I like that was well said well said thanks <laughs> did, you, did you come up that yourself I was uh, trying to think of something smart to say <laughs> great job <laughs> succeeded admirably okay well um well, folks, I'm sorry to say that does it for Armageddon. <laughs> uh, thanks so much for Oliver stopping by. Um, it was a good time. It was a good time. Thanks for thanks for stopping by. It was a great chat. And uh, till next time, guys. Thanks so much. Take care. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Many thanks to Oliver for stopping by today. Remember to please give us a rating and subscribe to Blood, Sweat, and Popcorn. Next week, Oliver comes back and we dive a little further into the appreciation for bad cinema. It's a fun chat you don't want to miss. All right, thanks for stopping by, and as always, take care, guys. Mm-hmm.